The Zags are in talks to play Michigan State on an airplane hangar this November, potentially adding another high-end game to their non-conference schedule. Are these gimmick games really worth it, or is there the risk of injury too much for these games to be worth it? Discussion on that, as well as a look at the WCC's potentially expanding conference schedule, what that means for Gonzaga, what that means for their potential quest to join the Mountain West, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, as well as those of you who have checked the show out on our YouTube channel. Over 700 subscribers now trying to get to 1,000 before the next college basketball game, so we got plenty of time, but if you are a listener and you have not done so yet, just go to youtube.com, hit that subscribe button, really, really appreciate it. The Zags and Michigan State, Tom Izzo, Mark Few, two of the most notable, powerful college basketball coaches right now have decided that they want to play each other on an aircraft carrier. This was reported by John Rothstein of CBS Sports. It is not finalized. I want to be very clear at this point. Uh, it is just discussions. There is a lot of hoops to jump through, obviously involving anything with the military. There's certainly no guarantee that they'll be able to make this work. The plan right now is for the game to take place on November 11th, which is Memorial Day. The game would, t- would take place in San Diego on an aircraft carrier out there. That is the extent of what is known at this point as I am recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Certainly this uh, will go through plenty of updates as we kind of get more information, uh, whether they're able to make this work or not. There's a lot of games like this during COVID. Uh, That was kind of a popular way to play games in an instance that is unique and kind of fun and brought a smile to people's faces and also didn't have fans at the arena, which was good for social distancing purposes uh, in the early parts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, But also there's some not-so-fun things about these games. Uh, Obviously, it's more risky to play uh, on a non-specific basketball court. Uh, We've seen Gonzaga has gone through stuff similar to this before. We all remember when they played Pitt a few years back and played on a a non-basketball court and had some slipping issues, some potential risk for injury there. Uh, The last thing that either of these teams want on November 11th, the very, very, very early parts of the college basketball season, the last thing anybody wants is somebody to suffer a serious injury, roll an ankle, you know, land awkwardly on their knee, whatever it may be. I understand why these games are fun, certainly for a sport that is trying to find ways to engage with fans in different ways and get more people interested outside of March Madness. That's always been a really prominent goal of the NCAA and of college basketball in general. You know, football tends to kind of pull a lot of the attention in the early part of the college basketball season. November, December is still the midst of the NFL. It's still the midst of the college football season. So a lot of programs, including programs like Michigan State, where their fan base are are still much more focused on football and haven't really kind of transitioned into focusing on basketball yet. There's only so much that programs are going to be able to do to, to kind of curb that. Obviously, Gonzaga has the unique advantage of not having a football program so they don't have to worry about pulled focus from their fan base. But every other Power 5 program certainly has to deal with this. And and stuff like this, I think, is fun. 
And I think it's, I, I always think sports should be trying to find ways to to do things a little bit differently. I don't necessarily agree that every sport should be changing the rules constantly, but I also am not somebody who's such a purist in, in any sport that I believe that there are not ways to change things and do things differently. This is an instance where you're not changing the rules. You're not changing a fundamental aspect of basketball. You're just changing where they play, which seems strange. And this certainly is in a lot of ways strange. And I can understand people who are fairly adamantly opposed to this because of either the fear of injury or just the kind of unnecessariness of it all. Uh, but a non-conference game between two very prominent teams in a big city like San Diego, it's not the worst thing in the world. It would be a super fun game. I don't think Michigan State is quite up to the par that they've been on previous years, Tom Izzo tends to go through ebbs and flows, but even on years that are considered down years for the Spartans, they're usually pretty good. Rothstein himself has them has them 35th uh, on his list of top 45 programs. Of course, Gonzaga right up there near the top. I think this is kind of a fun idea. I think that Mark Few and Tom Izzo getting together to try to do something sort of weird and sort of goofy to kick off the season doesn't surprise me at all based on those two guys, Izzo and Few, frankly, have never really been afraid to play anybody. Uh, they also are both proponents of playing a lot of games uh, that are not true road games or true home games. So, of course, it makes sense. This is probably going to be an advantage, Gonzaga, with the crowd. A lot of Gonzaga fans in Southern California, certainly Gonzaga fans, travel very well. Uh, I would expect plenty of Michigan State fans to be there as well. This is, again, all of us operating under the assumption that this game comes together. By this time next week, this might be just a complete non-factor anymore. It might not be a thing that's even on the calendar that is scheduled on the calendar, but I think it's notable that they're trying to do this. I think it's notable that Gonzaga is trying to add another big opponent to their non-conference schedule because if this does fall apart, I think that there's a reasonable expectation that the Zags would still attempt to find a game with Michigan State. I think that's probably where they would start is, hey, we can't do it on the airplane hangar, but do you still want to play? Do you want to find an arena where we can get a game going? I, I would expect that that would be the case. I think at this point it's well over 50%, probably close to 80% that the Zags are playing Michigan State next year. They're probably playing them around that same time. Whether it's actually on an airplane hangar in San Diego or not, Remains to be seen. I think they'll probably find a way to get this done. Uh, but again, there are a lot of factors that are well outside of my control, outside of Gonzaga's control, Michigan State's control, the NCAA's control. Really, the military is the people who really have any control over whether this game happens or not. And even then, things are outside of their control as well, depending on what is going on on the planet at that time. But I think this is fun. I'm not a huge fan of these games in particular because it is a little nerve-wracking and it is a little bit silly, but I want sports to try silly things. So I am on board with this being an attempted uh, kind of gimmicky way to get some more fans potentially interested in college basketball. Whether it works or not eh, remains to be seen, but I don't mind them trying it as long as they, of course, find a way to do it as safely as possible. All right, next part of this segment, uh, the segment two is going to be all of the hot takes that were submitted this past week for Andy Locks. There was one that was submitted separately that I kind of wanted to flesh out and talk about a little bit longer. It's related to the rumors about the WCC schedule next year. I'll just read the take here. It comes from that crazy Uncle Fester on Twitter who says, 
The WCC voting on 18 conference games is enough to push GU out of the WCC and into the Mountain West. That was a huge part of the deal they negotiated when they were shopping conferences last time and seems like it may be a difference maker. Have to imagine they're doing this to try to bring teams in to make up for BYU leaving or TV rights, but can't see few being too happy with it either way. Not trying to opine on if it's better or worse, but hard not to see the writing on the wall with that. Either the WCC thinks there's nowhere else GU can go and feels comfortable that they're staying, or knows there's smoke and have decided to give GU the final push. So again, worth pointing out here, similar to the Michigan State game, uh, this is not finalized. The WCC, as of this recording on Tuesday afternoon, has announced that they are planning to vote on whether they will switch from 16 conference games to 18 conference games, which would, of course, remove two non-conference games from the schedule. Uh, So they're planning to vote on it. We have not seen the results of that vote. Obviously, if it is being discussed, there is some reason to believe that enough of the rest of the teams in the conference could, in theory, vote to expand the conference schedule. The crazy Uncle Fester here is absolutely correct. This is not what Mark Few is going to vote for. This is almost certainly not what Randy Bennett is going to vote for. Mark Pope does not get a vote anymore as a non-member of the WCC going forward. It's hard to imagine what everybody else is going to do here. Certainly there are a few teams that might want to try to try their hand at getting some better non-conference games on the schedule and maybe doesn't want to, to expand the conference slate. But you'd think teams like BYU, or excuse me, teams like Portland and Pepperdine and LMU and teams that have a chance of being at the bottom and therefore losing a game against St. Mary's or Gonzaga, they're probably going to want to to vote this in so that they have that, they cement themselves as getting that other, that extra opportunity to play the Zags. That's a huge game for them, obviously, not just from an RPI perspective, but from, you know, like Portland for many years in a row lost their opportunity to host the Zags at the Child Center. That was devastating for them. That was a big deal that they did not get that game. I understand why the rule was in place, but I certainly understand why AD Scott Lakeham over at UP didn't like it. I get why he doesn't like that, because he lost a huge moneymaker for them. That's a big deal. And I, I think reasonable for them to feel the way that they feel. But also pretty darn reasonable for Mark Few to feel the way that he does and feel like, I don't want to go back to a system where I have to cut two games out of my schedule, where I maybe don't get to figure out if I can play Tom Izzo on an airplane hangar on Memorial Day or not. So yeah, I agree with the sentiment that if this were to go through, it would be frustrating for Mark Few, it would be alienating for him, it would potentially cause some, not potentially, would definitely cause some ripples between them and the leadership of the WCC. Whether it means that they feel like, hey, Gonzaga's on their way out, so we'll just do whatever we want, or I don't know. I don't have a firm answer to that. I think it makes some sense. I think the whole where there's smoke in this situation does make some sense. Now, Gonzaga's most recent rumors are not about the Mountain West. They are about the Big East. I do not have any inside information other than what has been reported, which is that Gonzaga is talking about going to the Big East. (laughs) That's the extent of what has really been reported. And I'm not saying that that's nothing, because it is not nothing, but it is not a lot either. It seems like it would be easier for Gonzaga to go to the Mountain West, but if they have their sights set on the Big East... If that's really their goal, then trying to move between now and then seems kind of silly. If they think the Big East is reasonable in the next five years, what is the point of jumping to the Mountain West between now and then? Again, these are hypotheticals that I'm not super privy to. I'm not incredibly aware of what a timeline looks like for a move to the Big East, 
what would happen to Gonzaga's other non-basketball sports in that situation. There's a lot of factors here that have not been answered, or if they have been answered, have not been made public, certainly. But I do think that while this is maybe a little bit overreaching uh, in, in terms of you know reading the tea leaves here, if the WCC does vote to add two conference games to the schedule, it's going to make Mark Few unhappy. And that is that's that's not nothing. That that means something. Exactly what it means, it's hard to be say, uh, hard to say, but if if we get results that this vote has come through, it's definitely something we're going to continue to talk about because it it could have some ramifications for the Zags and where they play uh, or which conference they play in going forward. We're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to grade more listener-submitted hot takes for Andy Locks, including discussion on Drew Timmy's future. But before we get there, let's talk about Built Bar. The summer is coming. In fact, the summer's here already. We are in June, even if it doesn't feel like it, in the Pacific Northwest. And with the summer here, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags. Throw them in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everybody has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We're going crazy for the Puffs. They come in unique flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who does not want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com to get all of your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, and the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts on June 16th. There will be over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders all together. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. All right, we got four more listener-submitted hot takes to post. I, I did my first Andy Locks of the offseason last week. That is, of course, where listeners submit hot takes to me. You can submit them on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. You can submit them via email at AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. I grade them too hot, too cold, just right. It's just like Goldilocks. We just changed the name to Andy Locks. We got four of them here in segment number two. First one comes from at Dave B. Soto. He says, I think Timmy has his best year this year. I think being surrounded by shooters is going to do so much for him. Yeah, I really like this take. I think it's something that isn't being discussed a lot. I think there's last week when we did hot takes, there was some kind of negativity towards Drew Timmy and some fear that maybe teams have figured him out. Maybe the Zags are better off with uh, somebody else being the focal point offensively. Uh, But this is kind of more where I'm at. Drew Timmy in the middle, a whole bunch of shooters around him. Let's go to work. It's it's similar to the 2020-2021 team. Of course, that team had Jalen Suggs. They had Joel Iyai. They had Corey Kispert. uh, They had Andrew Nemhard playing a lot of minutes. 
I think this year's team is a little bit better outside shooting-wise. Obviously, Corey Kispert was phenomenal at it. Joel Yai was an above-average three-point shooter. Andrew Nemhard, his first year in Spokane, not a great outside shooter. Jalen Suggs, not a phenomenal basketball player, but not a great outside shooter. Uh, Anton Watson played a lot of minutes. Of course, Anton Watson will also play a lot of minutes this year, and he remains a pretty below-average outside shooter. But this year, you could be looking at a lineup that includes Nolan Hickman, who is an unproven but potentially very good outside shooter. Dominic Harris, a very good outside shooter. Malachi Smith, a very, very good outside shooter. Rasir Bolt and Julian Strother, both guys we saw last year, both guys who shot 40-plus. Strother was just below 40% from three last year. So some combination of those guys. Obviously, we'll, we'll see Hunter Salas in there as well, a guy who's, who's a bit unproven as an outside shooter as well. But for the most part, it's going to be Drew Timmy and a lot of shooters. And... While defenses maybe have started to figure out how to how to guard Drew Timmy, how to defend him, at the end of the day, the only thing that has ever really worked against Drew Timmy is double teams and immediate double teams. And those are really hard to do when everybody else on the court can shoot. How do you send a double team at a guy if he's going to be leaving open somebody who can knock down 40% of their threes? It's just not a particularly feasible lineup. Now, Drew Timmy's going to play some minutes with Efton Reed. He's going to play some minutes with Anton Watson. He's not going to always be playing with shooters, but I like the overall sentiment that if that's generally the lineup that Mark Few and his staff are running out, Drew Timmy's going to absolutely dominate in his next collegiate season. Next three takes all come from Goldblum underscore Matt on Twitter. This first one, he says, Gonzaga averages more than nine made threes per game, a first in the Mark Few era. I like this hot take. I'll say that it's just right. Again, just right doesn't necessarily mean that I think it's going to come true. It means that I think it's a really good hot take. That's kind of where I'm at here. Nine threes per game on average is hard. Uh, Some teams have certainly done it, teams that really live and die by the three. But as we kind of talked about in that first question there, the Zags are still going to live and die by giving the ball to Drew Timmy. Now, if what we just kind of talked about ends up coming true and teams that try to double team just have Drew kicking it out to open shooters all game long. If that kind of is the way that this season goes for the most part, then yeah, I think it's possible the Zags could could average more than nine made threes per game, especially if Hickman takes a step forward as a shooter, if Hunter Salas takes a step forward as a shooter, certainly if Bolton and Strother shoot similarly to what they did last year, if Malachi Smith shoots similarly to what he did last year. And then the possibility that Drew Timmy might knock some threes down too. I don't think he's going to be in a elite three-point shooter. That would be quite a stretch from what he's been previously, but he's steadily improved throughout his career, and I think it's possible that he knocks a couple of them down uh, as the season goes on. So not sure I would be betting on the Zags to average nine made threes per game, but wouldn't be shocked if it happened either. Next take again from Goldblum underscore Matt. He says, after a successful year, GU will be replacing all four out of five starters on next year's squad. Yeah, I think this is also just right. I kind of think, I don't want to say it's too cold, but I think it's fairly likely that Gonzaga could end up replacing four out of their five starters. I think Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, almost all very, very likely to not be back next year. Bolton will not be back next year. Strother and Timmy, I would be pretty surprised. They do have eligibility remaining, but I don't think that they would. So that's three right there. Some may argue that Bolton's not going to start this season. I expect that he will, so I expect all three of those guys to be starters who are leaving. That just means that one of the other two starters has to depart. It kind of depends who you think's going to start. There's a lot of kind of uncertainty about who that final starter will be. It could be Malachi Smith, or the final starters, I should say, will be. It could be Malachi Smith. Uh, Certainly Dominic Harris is in that conversation. Then, of course, the two five-star freshmen from last year, Hunter Salas 
and Nolan Hickman. Anton Watson is in this conversation as well. So a lot of moving parts there. It definitely depends on the starting lineup. I've made predictions that my starting lineup is Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Malachi Smith, and then one of Bolton, or excuse me, one of Hickman or Salas. In that situation, I think it's fairly likely that four out of five guys are gone. So I'm going to say just right on the hot take, but it's borderline too cold. I think it's pretty likely that the Zags are losing four out of five starters again. All right, and final take of the segment, again, from Goldplume underscore Matt. You get your Twitter handle read three times in today's episode. The take is, in five to ten years, GUTV color commentator team will be Adam Morrison and Drew Timmy. I think it's fun. I think it's very, very fun. I think it's too hot. I, I think it's pretty unlikely that this comes together for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know that Adam Morrison has the goal to be on TV. I think he might be pretty content just being a radio guy. Again, I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him about this, but I haven't gotten the impression that he's necessarily gunning for a TV job. Uh, Drew Timmy, five to 10 years, I think he might still be playing. Uh, certainly not necessarily in the NBA. I don't know that he's a five to 10 year NBA career guy, but I don't think he's a guy who's necessarily going to flame out that early if he doesn't last in the NBA or if he's kind of doing the two-way thing. Then I think he could go over to Europe. He could stay in the United States and play, uh, just stay in the G League if he wanted to. I think there's a reasonable chance that he plays basketball for the next 10 years, uh, which would obviously mean that he's not the color commentator in the next period of time. I also don't know exactly what he wants to do with his career outside of basketball. Uh, it's so many players obviously stay within the game of basketball after they finish their playing career. Would not be surprising to see Drew Timmy do that. Certainly, he has the persona uh, and just the kind of vibes to be somebody that you would expect to see on TV talking about basketball. But that does not mean that he is going to do that, nor that Gonzaga is going to employ him. Is this super fun? Absolutely. Is it likely to happen? Eh, probably not, but we can keep our fingers crossed for it. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to hear from the Trung Twins, Kaylee and Kaylin, about their opportunity that they recently had to play in Vietnam in the Southeast Asia Games right after this. All right, Brenna Green of KREM sat down with the Trung Twins to discuss their recent trip to Vietnam and what it was like representing Vietnam in the Southeast Asia Games Take a listen. You guys just want to tell me about how the last, like, what, like two months have been for you guys? Yeah, so we were in Vietnam for the month of May. Um, but leading up to that, it was kind of difficult because uh, obviously we were still in school. But we were invited to play in Bali with the national team just to kind of get a feel for it and see, um, like, a, like a warm up, like a warm up tournament for SEA Games. And so we were prepping, we weren't prepping, but we, Bali was our first time playing three on three ever, um, like FIBA rules and stuff like that. So leading up to that, we were asking our international teammates, like, what are the rules? What should we be looking out for? You know, what, how does the ball feel? We've never felt the ball before. And it's actually, there's a difference. It's, it's heavy. It feels like a men's ball, but the size of, of a woman's ball. Um, so we went to Bali uh, for Easter weekend and then flew back, super jet lagged. Um, but Bali was very successful and then we took care of school two weeks uh, left had to work stuff out to turn stuff in um, for finals week and then we flew first of May to yeah. Vietnam. <clears throat> I want to thank our professors for uh, helping us out because it was pretty tough finishing finals early with like um, more content left to learn but 
they they work with us and so I'm I'm grateful for that. But uh, yeah, Vietnam was very eventful. Um, it's great. I smile every time I think about it just because of everything that did happen. Um, we got there um, in Saigon and we practiced with like the team for maybe five, seven days a week. And then we left with the three on three team to Hanoi and that's when uh, the game started. Um, I did not expect that many fans to show show up, but mm -hmm. they showed up and showed out. <laughs> they sure did, they sure did. For both men's and women's. Um, sometimes, I don't like to compare because I mean every place is different, but uh, usually women's sports, we don't get that many fans, that many supporters, and uh, so to us, I was I was kind of trying to, you know, prep myself and just be like, all right, if nobody shows up, that's fine. But you know, it it was they showed up for our game and they stayed for the men's game. It wasn't like they showed up at the end of half or second second half for our game and then stayed for the men's game. They showed up two hours before our game, trying to get seats, and I, I was shocked with the the long lines and everyone was waiting for our bus to come in and. It was just an amazing feeling. Uh, I told, we told Alex, um, sometimes you just have to be there. And that's, that's one of the moments that you just have to be there um, to understand what we're trying what, to, what we're we're trying trying to, to express. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. They really did show up and show out. When did you guys start talking uh, with the national team about potentially you know, being able to play with that? Yeah, so we, um, Head of the Federation, Coach Yerkes, he reached out to us our freshman year, um, going into our freshman year of college. But with like COVID and everything, we kind of lost contact, and um, so it didn't work out. And then sophomore year passed, junior year passed, and then that's when he reached out again. And we actually saw him in San Diego. He went to go watch his play, uh, and then was like, if y'all are serious about nationals, then we could potentially try to work it out, because C Games had been moved up Usually, I think SEA Games maybe start when we're about to start college season, so that wouldn't work out either. But they moved it up to May, um, around May, and then that's when, that's when like, I think we could make it work. We just looked at our schedule, and school ends around that time, and yeah, so that's when we talked to our family. It was like, oh, all right. I mean, this could work. <laughs> it's always been a dream to play for Vietnam, so. Yeah, what did it mean to you guys, both of you guys, to be able to put on a Vietnam jersey? Um, it was it was a blessing, um, just be just because we're Vietnamese. Um, there's not a lot of us here in the U.S. that do play uh, or get the recognition that I believe they deserve. So it just means a lot just to try to play for my family and then play for Vietnam, um, and hopefully we made them proud. Lynn. Lynn pretty much took the words out of my mouth. Um, super grateful. Like Lynn said, we, it was always been a dream. Um, and it's part of our identity. It's who we are and being able to represent that, that part of us uh, just truly means a lot. How different was the three on three game compared <laughs> to playing college basketball? We came back. The first person I talked to was Anna because Anna was, uh, Anna and Vani, they, uh, they kind of prepped us. Um, and just explain the rules to us, FIBA rules. And we came back and I told them, I said, it's such a different beast. It's so different. Um, it's fast pace. Five on five is fast pace, but you have three players on the court and you're playing half court. So spacing was important. And it's just 
as soon as somebody scores, you're getting it out. There's no walking it up, checking it, or anything like that. It's 10 minutes of just straight basketball. And it's a very physical game. I was, I don't want to say it thrown off, but the, the amount of stuff that the refs let go or how, how physical the game was um, was surprising because come, for, take for example, NCAA, the refs, as soon as you put two hands on somebody, it's an automatic foul, no matter what. Three and three, you can shove, you can clothesline somebody and it wouldn't be a foul. You have to learn how to play through it. Well, you, so. can't, you can't foul out in three and three, so you can just foul <laughs> as many times as you want. They just don't call it. Yeah, as soon as you get to seven, it's penalties. But I mean, other than that, nobody, none of the team, none of the players at least foul out. So it's just different, but it was really fun. Just what did it mean to you to have so many people supporting you from your country, even though obviously you don't, you don't live there. So did, did it like kind of like, did you feel like it bonded you a little bit more to, to Vietnam in a way? Yes, definitely. I, I think it did. Um, just the love that they showed us. Um, I know we're Vietnamese Americans and we're not really uh, from Vietnam. Our parents did grow up in Vietnam, but uh, it just meant the world, honestly. Like, just have your, having your own people support you, having your back. You know, I mean, we were down, I think we were down 20 against the Philippines or something, but I felt like we were winning every time we scored because they would just cheer. And just to have that just to have the feeling of people having your back, that's like the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, it didn't matter whether you were up 20 or down 20, uh, they were gonna be there until the end, no matter what. And so that really didn't mean a lot. Didn't one of you hit a game winner? For, uh, for three on three, yeah, against the Philippines. I'm gonna be completely honest, I was gonna go rebound the ball because I thought, <laughs> I thought it kind of slipped out of my hand, but it felt great because when I saw the ball go through the net, that's when the crowd erupted. And I was like, we just won the game. Um, and our teammates were telling us that they've never beaten the Philippines in basketball. Um, so again, greatest achievement that I guess Vietnam and then to be a part of it, uh, I, feel, I feel blessed. I think this year for the SEA Games, there was a lot of first times uh, for Vietnam, first time beating a certain team first time, meddling. Um, and so uh, this, it was special because we were able to do it in Vietnam instead of a, a, a different country that was hosting. So I think that was really special. How much do you think um, that experience is gonna help you this year at GU? Mm, I think it's gonna help me tremendously. Just, it definitely built my confidence up um, a whole lot and then just reminding me just to have fun with the game. Again, college, college basketball, a lot of people do take it as like, it's business, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, you, you're gonna have to remember just to have fun because that's, that's why we're playing basketball or that's why at least I personally fell in love with basketball because it was fun. And uh, I just have to remind myself, Lynn, have fun, it's, it's basketball. <laughs> yeah, with me, I think being able to uh, just openly communicate with my teammates. Um, uh, we, we speak a little bit Vietnamese and so we had to learn how to communicate um, with our other teammates because the majority of them were locals and they didn't speak any English. So uh, just reminding myself that I, I can openly communicate with my teammates and just be there for them, um, you know, just be there for the team there. How much does it blow your guys' mind that this is your senior year? Honestly, I can't believe it. <laughs> I think I blinked and my, fr my freshman year was over and then sophomore year went. 
flu junior year, very successful season. Um, and now it's like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, goodness. I still feel like a freshman flies. sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it's crazy how time flies. Someone, I mean, it was, yeah, it was Jesse. Jesse told me, oh, enjoy, I mean, enjoy freshman and all those years because senior year is going to come like that. And I didn't believe her. I really didn't. And now I'm sitting here yeah. about to be a senior. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's back in town. We were able to meet up with her two days ago. And uh, she asked us, How's, how does it feel becoming seniors now? I said, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? Because uh, we came in and she was, she was our she was our but our our role model our person and um for her to ask us how we are as seniors i'm like man this is this is crazy because we we're just we were just playing with you it felt like um but yeah it <laughs> i think we need to sit and let it let it come in yeah. i think after the summer it's gonna start being like okay we're, we're seniors we're seniors all right, thank you to Brenna Green for sharing that content with us. That is going to do it for me today. More fun stuff coming up later this week, including a fun former player interview right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It is free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.